0: Welcome to Next Guest, the podcast of Swiss Next in San Francisco. And today we have two very special guests here in San Francisco in our office, and it'll be our first podcast in a discussion with two people. We are in a different space within the office of San Francisco. So the first question that I want to ask our guest before he introduce himself is what, are, what is in front of you now? In which space are you? What do you see?
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, what I'm looking at is, I guess I'm in a lab called the View Lab, and I'm looking out at a view of the bay, the uh, Yerba Buena Island, and UC Berkeley right across the, right across the bay from here.
0: Fantastic, that was the little moment where we could do some uh, advertisement for our office. (laughs) Thank you very much, Darren. But let's start right now. And could you please introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what is your current position?
1: Of course, yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, My name is Darren Cook. I run the Life Sciences Entrepreneurship Center at UC Berkeley. It's a virtual center on campus that supports uh, life sciences Startup formation, biotech, medtech, startup formation from across the campus, so anywhere where life sciences innovation is found. Uh, it includes places like the Innovative Genomics Institute, Baker Labs, Baker Bioingenuity Hub, Berkeley Skydeck, the Haas School of Business. Uh, and then I also teach entrepreneurship at the Haas School of Business.
0: Thank you very much, Darren. And in discussion with you, we have Eva Maria. Eva Maria, could you also introduce yourself, please?
2: Yes, hi, uh, I'm Eva-Maria and um, yeah, happy to be here with you in this beautiful VIEW lab. Um, so, I'm the Deputy Head of Innovation at the University of Zurich um, and I've been here in San Francisco now for uh, about four months as a sabbatical visitor. Um, at the University of Zurich, um, I'm working in the Innovation Office um, where we are supporting researchers to translate their ideas and their findings into uh, new products and services and processes um, that are needed in the market. And we have different offers for this. We, for example, um, support specific projects with funding, Uh, we do different type of networking events, Um, and um, what else do we do? Uh, We also do ourselves and as well coordinate and communicate about all the different entrepreneurship fostering activities that go that are going on at the University of Zurich.
0: Eva-Maria, can you um, tell us, what is, what is your journey? How did you, how, how do we become the deputy head of innovation at a Swiss university?
2: Yeah, um, it's been a, an interesting journey. So um, I come from, um, I have a technical background, so I used to do engineering, um, and I also did research in this area. Um, And after my um, PhD at uh, ETH Zurich, I moved on to work um, in these uh, public-private partnerships, actually developing new technologies to possibly be licensed uh, by companies. And at some point, I just decided to kind of switch side. And instead of being on the engineering, um, um, optimizing technologies, being in the lab uh, kind of position, I decided to go and work with people and uh, support people to do great things instead. So um, I had the opportunity in uh, about eight years ago to go and work at ETH Zurich uh, to build up a new kind of entrepreneurship center there. That's called the Student Project House. Um, that, was a, that was a fun experience. experience. Um, and um, I moved to work at uh, the University of Zurich um, in order to be closer to research again and really work with the researchers in this super tricky area of um, moving ideas out of the lab to something that can really be useful. Um. Mm-hmm. What about you, Darren? What is, what is your
0: journey? Mm,
1: okay, yeah, my journey. 30 years ago, I was an engineer working on medical devices at UCSF, and specifically cochlear implants. And I was a grad student at, at UC Berkeley in, in orthopedic biomechanics and realized that was not what I wanted to do for, for a living. So I threw it all out the window. I went to law school. Uh, and have been a, a patent attorney for the last 24 years. So, in 2015, I really caught the startup bug and realized I really want to be working with early-stage companies. So, left my corporate job and started a tiny law practice supporting uh, early-stage life sciences companies. And just one thing has led to another. I started teaching the I-Corps program, which is a market needs funding course for, run by the National Science Foundation. Uh, and it's all evolved into now working full-time at, okay, at UC Berkeley. Yeah, so it that
0: starting as an engineer seems to be the right path <laughs> for this career.
2: Well, actually, I've also had my touch on cochlear implants. <laughs> I think it was in my master thesis that I was, um, yeah, I- exploring that at the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm. <laughs> okay, so it's, it's even so, more specific so then. You have to work on th- implants. That's where you need to start, if, <laughs> if you're interested as a listener to um, end up where, you kind know, of. We are at this interface between university and the market.
0: Yeah, so let's, let's move a little bit to what is exactly at the core of your work. Because I can imagine that for our listeners, this idea of, of um, tech transfer is a university might still be a little bit vague. So what, uh, what, can, what do university do to support this translation from science to entrepreneurship? What is at the core of their, what, what are the tasks?
2: So, um, as I said um, before, it's uh, to some extent about um, trans, um, transferring the skills that are needed to do so to our researchers. So our researchers are, of course, extremely well-educated, um, but they are educated to do really high-quality research. and. many of the researchers have no idea what it means um, to think about um, uh, transferring a a product uh, or transferring an idea into a product and building a company around it and building a a revenue um, model and actually uh, being sustainable in the market in order to um, t- to bring to bring that solution to the users, and there are so so many uh, aspects to that, so many things that you have to learn. So uh, that's that's a big part um, being there, like having. So not all of the researchers have time to visit a course, so it's a lot about also being there to answer questions that pop up, uh, having this information very well accessible on websites, etc. And then, um, what what we also need to do, because we believe it's imp- it's important that we translate more from the university. There is this wealth of know-how there um, that can be beneficial for our societies and economies. Um, we also. Um, we think that we need to promote more researchers to go this way and to at least, they don't, all researchers don't need to be founders of new companies, but you should be open to it, um, open to letting maybe your master's students or your PhD students go that direction. So it's also a lot about um, building this new mindset or new culture. And so we work a lot with like role models Mm -hmm. um, in communication. And maybe I'll stop that for now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I want to um, come back to the skills um, and uh, asking you, maybe, Darren, because we are here in the Silicon Valley, at the epicenter of entrepreneurship. Um, what uh, what skills do scientists need to learn if they want to become entrepreneur?
1: Well, you know, I'm, I'm biased because I teach a, a market needs finding course at, at UC Berkeley, both at Haas and for the NSF, where those are fundamental skills that where really any founder, it could be a scientific founder or really anyone from any, any field, truly needs to understand the market before they build anything. So it's, um, it's, it's really just a, a different mindset about approaching entrepreneurship So learning about the market needs before you build something. And this is teachable to anybody. So I run a special life sciences version of a market needs finding course that we typically have Berkeley faculty grad students, UCSF faculty grad students, uh, who learn an immense amount just
0: over one week. Mm -hmm. And um, would you say that there is something... What is specific about this translation of scientists becoming entrepreneurs uh, in comparison to um, anyone else who wants to become an entrepreneur?
1: I'm not sure that there's really much of a difference. I mean, yeah, uh, certainly, you know, in some respects, because the market needs finding course that, that I teach, and it's called the I-Corps program or Innovation Core. we're really applying the scientific method to market needs finding, business model creation, where participants will hypothesize about different um, stakeholders in the ecosystem and go run experiments, run business experiments, basically, to find out where they're right and where they're wrong. And hopefully they're always a little bit wrong. Mm-hmm. If they're not a little bit wrong, they're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. So, And they go back and iterate and iterate to some, uh, hopefully, spectacular market but it's um it's really hard to predict so in some sense scientists are even better at this because they're already used to it
0: yeah yeah, yeah. it is it is uh, this uh try and error is kind of a scientific journey somehow um i was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more uh, um eva maria explained us what the university of doing uh, of zurich is doing for to support this translation from the lab to the market and i was wondering if you could Tell us maybe what are, the, in your opinion, like the important factors that needs to be here to support this transition?
1: So at at Berkeley, we have a lot of programs that support entrepreneurship. And so let me just give you an example of something that we built recently that, that ties them all together. What I consistently heard when I was setting up my center, I'd talk to faculty, talk to grad students, and I'd say... You know, you know, ask them what they're working on. And they say, you know, we think we've come up with something really big. We think that this could be something, you know, the next big thing that, we, that could be commercialized. And I said, great. We have all these programs that will help you do it. And they would look at the list and basically respond, wow, that's a lot. Like, wh- which one should we do? Like, should we do go to Skydeck? I'm like, absolutely. How about the i program? Like, that's a great idea. And consistently they wouldn't do it. Right. They were just overwhelmed by the, the support, frankly, that we gave them. And so recently we've started a program where it's sort of just a fixed price menu of the best resources that we have at Berkeley. In exchange for grant funding and actual seed funding for far, uh, starting a private company, we have these academic founders do a number of activities that we already have on campus. And we've just recently this year built three companies it just blows me away that we have three companies that now are, exist. They have CEOs. They're fundraising. They're going to the J.P. Morgan conference next month. That were just ideas in a lab in March of this year.
0: Wow, that's that's very very fast. Yeah. Um, how could you maybe talk a little bit um, about the you? you mentioned the Skydeck program or the iCorps program. If you could maybe explain uh, to our listeners a little bit what are um, these two programs.
1: Okay, yeah. So Berkeley Skydeck is our startup accelerator in downtown Berkeley. I think most people don't realize that, it, first of all, it's a big program. We have 250 startups go through it every year. Most of them are not from Berkeley. They're coming to Berkeley because they want the resources of our campus our faculty our students the research that's happening uh, in fact in fact half of the companies in the program are coming from outside the US so it's a it's a big startup supporting program in UC at UC Berkeley in downtown Berkeley f- uh, 50 companies of those 250 that I just mentioned are actually invested by the fund meaning the, f- the fund is investing $200,000 in each of 50 companies we're doing 50 identical deals per year about ten of those fifty are life sciences biotech and and I run the biotrack at uh, at Berkeley skydeck
0: mm-hmm. um, Eva Maria, could you tell us what 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 type of programs do the University of zurich uh runs do they have similar uh approach or is it is it a different um, is it a different one
2: uh well so there is no Skydeck Zurich yet. I heard about the Skydeck Milano. We have to have a look at that and you have to tell us about why, maybe as a Zurich startup, it could be interesting to go there. Um, in, in, at the University of Zurich, we are, um, of course, not... I mean, we, we do constantly. It is the comparison, especially here in the Bay Area, being like at the epicenter of uh, innovation. Um, we don't have as a developed uh, innovation ecosystem, but we are very strong in the life science um, domain. So, for several years, uh, we've had uh, our own life science fund where we partnered up um, with the Novartis uh, venture fund where we can actually invest in our own spin offs. Um, but I would not be, what did you say, 10 per year? That would be more like um, one per year. <laughs> Um, and then um, this, the the biggest program that we have is kind of a, a proof of concept um, program where we um, it's it's a bit similar to what you mentioned maybe not as pushy in terms of funding a company um, but we give uh, 100 to 150 uh, Swiss francs um, to researchers which is um, the, the Swiss franc and the dollar is at the moment pretty much on par. Um, to develop a technology and uh, do those final critical experiments um, uh, and tests um, and uh, and develop like a pitch deck in order to be kind of self-sustainable after that year funding a company. If it's not if it's not funding a company, then at least like um, f- uh, convincing um, other types of uh, startup funding, um, it depends on also in which in which field that you are, um, and that program we call the Entrepreneur Fellowship, and we've been running that for uh, about uh, five years now. And recently, uh, we decided to do like a, a pre-program to the Entrepreneur Fellowship um, to kind of go about this issue with um, finding. Uh, Finding uh, the fit with with the market, understanding what is really the, the the issue that you might be solving with your technology before you go and build a company. Um, because it turned out to be a bit quick uh, di- difficult to do that like in one program um, because once you you got this 150k you're so motivated to go out and build your company um, and then you might not be very interested in finding out that actually your idea might not be wanted so uh, so I'm very excited about this new program that we call the innovation grant so it's a lot smaller program we just give them 10,000 uh, Swiss francs um, but we really push them to go and have those conversations um, and um, because we're just initiating that program and and working with the with the first projects um, it's been uh, very cool for me to have these conversations with Darren and other people um, who have like 10 plus years experience of working with this uh, need-finding um, mm-hmm. programs for scientists
0: um. I mean, this uh, your your statement actually underlies again the importance of knowing the market and doing the situation before going all all um, all in with your new company. Um, maybe to step back a little bit um, of really the uh, the entrepreneurial journey um, and talk more from like the university perspective. Why is it so important? for university uh, to encourage this transition from uh, the idea to really practical solution?
2: Well, <clears throat> maybe, um, yes it's important, <laughs> um, as I said before, there are so many ideas there at the university and there are so many problems out there to solve, um, I mean big, big challenges that we have and face as a, as a society. Um so the university just has to be uh, a contributor. I think it's not only by the wealth of idea, but also how we maybe uh develop ideas differently at the university and solve problems differently um than at the company. So the, in, the the universities are like one one um uh one of the participants in um, in uh, innovating and and, and um, finding solutions to our big problems, and the reason. So it's there. It's important. Uh, It has a a role to play, and I think that we, in our positions and with our programs, we have a role to play to do this translation, because it's just not enough. I mean, you might say, like, well, we have, you know, everything is there to be found in the drawer or in, not in the drawer, but... um, um, online, all the, all the publications, even though some of them are, you know, with a um, subscription and everything, not everything is open source. Um, um, but it's not, it's not possible to translate um, from a scientific publication and then just, um, you know, uh, go and use that for, um, for innovating. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think this translation is so important. What is your perspective on this, Darren?
1: Yeah, so at UC Berkeley, uh, we're a a public institution in in the state of California. The mission of Berkeley is actually research, teaching, and public benefit, right? And so it's actually baked into the mission of the public university that we seek to translate the results of the research to an enduring, uh, long-lasting benefit for the public, so it really is coming from the top that we're expected to be helping translate discoveries in labs to get them off of the campus and in, into the hands of the public. So we are following up on that.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you see, um, uh, is there um, a, a general rule on how long should the university be supporting those ideas? Um, just thinking about what you said, um, the, the role is to um, support um, public benefit. And I was just thinking, how can we, at, at some point there is a board in those companies there are shareholders. Uh, and how, how, do you, how do you manage this, this tension a little bit between being a private company and, uh, and being you know, at the same time um, from a public entity?
1: Yeah, right. So the companies that we're starting on the campus are for-profit startups that, mm-hmm. are, that are founded by UC Berkeley faculty, mm-hmm. postdocs, grad students. Uh, they're, as soon as that happens, they're off campus. Even if the, a lot of the work is still being done on the, on the campus, we have programs in place that, uh, that uh, allows additional work to, to support a private startup, even in academic labs. It's called the Research Infrastructure Commons Program at UC Berkeley. But uh, as, soon as, as soon as they're founded, and as soon as they're funded by the Skydeck Fund, which is a, a separate and a legally separate private venture capital fund, they're on their own. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, sup- we continue to support them, but there's no continuous support from, at least from the university, after that point.
0: Mm-hmm. And talking a little bit now about the, um, the challenge that you both might face in your, in your uh, everyday job. So you're both coming from those amazing innovation ecosystems, uh, Berkeley um, and, and Zurich. And yes, what is, what is for you the biggest challenge in translating those ideas from the university?
1: So the challenge that we, uh, let me give you some examples of the three companies that we, that we just started basically from ideas in, in labs. One of them, In electrical engineering, in-ear EEG, the the postdoc in the lab is the CEO, and it's worked out perfectly. The other two, there wasn't someone in the lab who would naturally fall into the, the corporate leadership position. And so now one is a medical superglue, the other is a transfection reagent. We have faculty who are realistically not expecting to give up their, their faculty positions to run a startup. And so there's always, an or frequently, an awkward transition between, you know, who's running the company in the beginning and who is actually gonna pursue it as their full-time job and fundraise and get the, get the, uh, get the innovations into clinical trials and whatever hap- needs to happen next. So for the two, which didn't have a natural postdoc grad student who was going to be the, uh, the corporate leader, we helped them find it, that person. But it, that's not easy. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's difficult to find the right skill set, the right incentives, the people who are willing to work at a reduced salary in exchange for equity in a startup. I mean, it's, it's, it's an unusual uh, recruiting exercise. Mm-hmm. And so that seems to be uh, it's a, a challenge that we're, we're trying to tackle
0: okay what about you Eva maria
2: um yeah no i would agree um that this is the challenge and um that yeah so as i said before either you find that there is this aptitude among that in that researcher to go the way maybe the the network and the skills are not quite there yet, but you can build on a strong motivation and kind of the right personality, um, or, you have to f- you, or you have to find um, somebody um, external um, for that. Um, we don't really have a program yet, but it's like supposed to be sorted with building. That's why the ecosystem is so important um, and making sure that we early on have not only the internal innovators but also um startups, more mature um um coaches, uh, investors that um constantly kind of meet and, and get to know each other um so that um these issues could be more, more naturally um solved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's not a smooth path. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's
0: more like a dirt road. Yeah. I was uh, I was wondering if you um, could go a bit deeper, because you've been here at Swissnext for uh, four months, and if you maybe could go a bit deeper into the differences that you've been um, observing between um, the Swiss or Zurich ecosystem and
2: the uh, ecosystem here in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm well it's still sunny right now and it's i heard it's raining back in Zurich. <laughs> <laughs> um <Important because. laughs> it is important you know to keep innovating 24/7 or year round that sun does something to it <laughs> no but um i think i think uh i think there is like a longer history here of um like what did you say um Uh, mm, working for the public benefit that this has been, I think it's in our mission as well, but it has been interpreted a little bit differently. So for example, we've only been um, actively um, pushing the translation um, and um, commercialization of IP for about five years at the University of Zurich. So um, there is a lot... um, A lot more experience here to learn from and then what's what's very striking actually um already from the very first weeks that I'm here and I'm not the first to observe is like the cultural differences um so it seems like here for some reason I think it's partly historical and well there are probably books about this that I haven't read yet, Um, people here are, they have some, many people here have some, have some key qualities that you need for innovation, like uh, being very, just very curious and very interested in meeting new people independently of whether this person is from your field, is a guy or a girl or long, short, I don't know. Hierarchy levels doesn't seem to play um, such a such a difference. Um, so it's been amazing to in, uh, like kind of observe how networking works here. So networking is really like a key component in in doing business and innovating here. So um, you can be, um, yeah. It's it's um, when I observe. Uh, people from the area at networking events it's like really like using it um talking to just anyone anyone could could you know have have that idea that you're looking for that that next insight that you need for whatever you try to accomplish um so i think that that curiosity and and um and an openness to talk to people and then um then there is also something to the to the risk taking which we um often come back to um which uh is um yeah so here risk taking seems to be also more um natural or like in switzerland we talk about um being more afraid of failing, um, like building a company and then it doesn't work out. What happens then? Is, is your career ruined? This is more a question mark in Switzerland And here. It's more, um, it's more seen as um, an experience. Mm-hmm. You learn so much if you build that company and if you fail and you know why, that's the learning that you need uh, and to to build the next company more successfully. So, and and these are things that are just wonderful to observe, and you know, it, it's it's cool to to have seen it and to understand why why that then um, makes a different innovation starting starting point for innovation. But it's very hard to kind of translate and like bring back home in a suitcase.
0: Has this cha- this day changed you?
2: I think I have become a better networker, mm-hmm. I must say.
0: <laughs> and do you think that all the startups or early-stage startups should come to the Bay to experience this?
2: If they have the opportunity, for sure. Yes.
0: So let's learn a little bit more about this. Risk-taking, history, and um, uh, and networking. Uh, do you... Can you confirm this, Darren? Or what is what is the secret sauce here? Yeah, so
1: I don't know. I don't have the experience of working anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's difficult to compare in that way. But what uh, Eva Maria mentioned about networking, I run a speed teaming event where we have 10 people with scientific ideas and 10 people with skills, or we could just call them skills, basically. Typically business students, but also some engineering students. And we just throw them together with no real sense for like any idea about how they may have anything in common. And frankly, half the meetings are probably complete duds. You know, They walk away like, well, that was 10 minutes wasted. But what's really surprising to me, so we have faculty who are, who are participating this, in this all the way down to sometimes we have undergrads at the university who are now just put in a networking situation and they're pretty disparate in terms of positions at, at the university, and they just love it. I mean, people, the, the response to the speed teaming event is just off the charts. Mm-hmm. And we've actually had teams, well, startups that, are f- that were founded through, the, through this event. You know, pe- Two people had one 10-minute Zoom meeting. The next thing you know, they have coffee, and then they participate in the i program, and they go to Skydeck, mm-hmm. and they raise money, and they move into Baker Labs, and this has already happened.
0: Oh, Wow. Um, you, you just mentioned, so we were talking about SkyTight before, um, and I just mentioned again the i ICORES program. Um, could you tell us a bit more exactly um, what is this program? I think it's uh, it's part of the National Science Foundation. If you could maybe um, explain to our listeners exactly what it consists of.
1: Yeah, so i core, which stands for Innovation Core, is based on a curriculum that was started by a, a professor at Berkeley and at Stanford named Steve Blank back in twenty. 20- 11, it was adopted by the National Science Foundation. So the, the curriculum is generically called Lean Startup, the idea of doing 100 market needs finding interviews before you build anything at the highest level. The NSF, the National Science Foundation, adopted the curriculum in its entirety to help support companies that it was looking to invest in through its SBIR program, grant program, small business innovation research program, and it's just grown from there bigger and bigger. You know, it's now been around for 12 years. Mm-hmm. The NSF puts through at a national level, they, they actually give grant money to, to startups to go through this program uh, over 300 a year, go through a seven-week, 100-interview program that... Um, uh, it's really transformative in terms of, of their understanding of the market. Mm-hmm. What I teach at Berkeley, I do teach the national mm-hmm. program for the NSF and for also NIH has a, a, a similar program. Mm-hmm. I teach a one-week boot camp version of it, which Ava Maria got to watch a, a lot of, we'll
2: which, hear, is we'll a, which
1: is a prerequisite for even being able to apply to the seven-week national i program. So what I teach is over the course of three nights, it's all on Zoom. We expect teams to do 15 what we call customer discovery interviews mm-hmm. over the course of the week, get out of the building and talk to people, testing hypotheses. And if they do well, and consistently most teams do actually this, this process really well, we nominate, them, we nominate them to go to the national program.
0: To the national program, then, and the idea is really to uh, to achieve a product market fit. Yeah, that's
1: all product. it is. It's product market yeah. fit. It's a, it's a product market fit test.
0: Yeah. What what are the participation criteria? The participation criteria. Oh, okay. Them?
1: Yeah. So, the at least for. The, the class that I teach, because mm-hmm. it's funded by my center and not the NSF, mm-hmm. it is still a prerequisite for going to the national NSF-funded program. I can take anybody. I, I typically te- take student teams, faculty teams from Berkeley, UCSF, Stanford. But I've, you know, I've taken teams from around the world, if I have room. The participation cri- criteria for the national 100-interview, seven-week, $50,000 grant program mm-hmm is much more specific. I'm not really the expert on this, but Mm -hmm. recently the NSF has required that the the technology be coming from an academic lab Mm -hmm. and the team makeup is pretty specific in that you have an entrepreneurial lead, you have an industry mentor, you have a a PI that's actually there to receive the grant. We have people at at UC Berkeley who know this inside and out and will assemble national teams. Mm -hmm. But recently the, the sticking point has been the tech provenance meaning that the NSF is really looking for technology that's coming from a university.
0: Mm-hmm. And is it a, a program that is suitable for, for all industry, would you say?
1: Yeah, it, 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 well, so it, it applies, at least the National Science Foundation takes teams with technology from any of the areas where they fund SBIR grants, mm-hmm. which is as broad as anything. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's really any, almost any area of technology. Mm-hmm
0: and um do you have some maybe some examples of uh, of successful startups that have been through these programs? Uh, what was the the key learning for them
1: So I think a good example of this is you know every team that goes through a program like this, if they 're doing it right, really without exception, at some point during the hundred interviews'll we'll have an epiphany or an aha moment where they'll say, oh my gosh, we were doing it wrong from the beginning. Mm-hmm. We should be doing this. And it could be big. It could be a complete pivot into another area, a different market, a different technology even. More often, it's a iteration to find something that's a better product market fit. But the one that stands out to me is that we had a team a couple of years ago from NASA. So this is actually a team with technology coming from NASA with technology around like a switch that was gonna be used in satellites, mm-hmm. right? And then halfway through the program, they came in super excited and they said, oh my gosh, the problem is not with the switches, it's with the capacitors. I said, well, that's funny <laughs> right? because does the switch do anything on the capacitor problem? They said, no, it's totally different. It's totally different. We wanna go back to the lab right away and work on this capacitor issue because they found such a, a huge market need they basically just scrapped something that they'd been working on for years in mm-hmm. the middle of the seven-week program.
0: Wow, well, because so that's really the importance of, of of having an understanding of the market, I guess. And um, interesting that I can... And it makes me a little bit the transition to what we were just discussing before, that you can probably know what the market wants if you go outside, you're curious, and you network, which are some part of the... Um, the key elements that uh, Eva Maria, you were you were describing about being in the in the Bay Area, um, do you um, how is early validation um, of uh, the market needs done uh, in your uh, work? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so um, as I said in Zurich, we have or at the University of Zurich, we have this for example this entrepreneur fellowship program. Um, where the young researchers are preparing um, to develop a company and they are actually uh, very well supported. Um, So they are not on their own, but they are um, challenged on a regular basis um, by people that we have in-house for life science and for other areas we work with um, um, external um, coaches these would be people that have built companies themselves, or um, one person has built a company and he's also been working um, on the investor side. So he he really knows um, w- what it means um, to take this risk and and build a startup and 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 uh, and go through all these um, um, validations, um, and and. So, so what's, in, what's been interesting for me is that pretty much we've been doing that, that you've been talking about in these in this programs. We have been um, asking these teams to go out. Um, so in the life science, it's about talking to patients. It's about talking to the clinicians and to the nurses, maybe, if it's like a med tech project, uh, product. Um, but it's... Um, I, it's it's not always easy like to because because these people are so busy, they're so stressed, there are also other aspects, there is the, all the technology development which is still not finished in the lab. So I think there is uh there is a strong value to having a, a structured approach, which is um uh what this um what this core program is all about. Um so really putting some some speed and, and some pressure on these teams. Um to uh, and, and a structured approach, to, to you know, do, do one stakeholder group at a time, um, and then also the peer pressure, I think, uh, is a big thing, actually, to kind of go through that process in parallel with other teams and also be inspired by the other teams and see, wow, uh, they got all that insights from doing those three interviews. Um, so I think that's that's been a learning for me. So all of this, as I said, it's nothing new. And I mean, your course, Darren, it's been around for almost uh, 10 years. Actually, the business model canvas was invented in Switzerland. Uh, <laughs> so we have nothing to say, but it, in our work, it often comes down to the details um in terms of uh really having an impact then like the details in the execution and working with these teams.
0: Okay. So it w- it comes down to the detail more than the big picture?
2: In wor- well, I don't know <laughs> what you mean now. <laughs> but especially if you want to have impact with the teams, mm-hmm. it comes down it comes down to the details of for example, um funding or projects the details of the funding criteria or the details of um, how those entrepreneurship programs are structured or as I said now we've been doing the same but maybe if you add some more structure if you add the peer pressure then the magic happens so mm-hmm. yeah and that's so so we are working a bit as a as a startup as well um, mm-hmm. in in the way that we're trying things out and then you know seeing what works, what doesn't work, and then changing a bit and iterating.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, one question for uh, for Darren, um, uh, one of the last questions regarding uh, being a startup. So um, uh, Eva Marie was telling us so they are a startup because they're um, iterating still and trying things out. So you've been doing this for 10 years, do you still consider yourself a startup or are you just now a, a service provider? Do you keep the mindset or not?
1: Do you mean with respect to the i program? Yes, exactly. Okay, yeah. So I've been teaching it since 2017. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a that's an interesting point because I just introduced this week, and I've been trying this out in my i class, a different canvas. Mm-hmm. So we're, because ven- typically life sciences companies the application of the nine box Swiss business model canvas is sometimes kind of awkward. Mm-hmm. Like it's difficult to know what you're going to put in the boxes. So I've come up with a new 10 box. It's one box better. Okay. 10 box life sciences, venture canvas that really fits the the marketplace realities of life sciences, biotech, medtech companies better. Mm-hmm. And it's worked super well. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I guess you're right. We, we continue to iterate and yeah. find better solutions, but, they're really using the same tool set.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, looking a little bit at the, at the future um, and at those innovation ecosystem, um, how do you see the, econom- the uh, innovation ecosystem of the Silicon Valley developing over the next 10 years?
1: That is hard to predict. So, you know, we, we, we keep growing. UC Berkeley is now number one for venture-backed startups. We just took over that spot from Stanford in September of this year, mm-hmm. and so with leadership on our campus that supports that push, I would just expect the ecosystem to grow into, uh, you know, the, uh, at least at Berkeley for now. The life sciences ecosystem is very well built out, but we're mm-hmm. also building out building out support for climate and AI and and other areas. So I expect, at least from my my view of on on our campus. Just continuing to build, but but in in different different areas.
0: Mm-hmm. How is it with Zurich?
2: Mm. Yeah, so so I don't want to bet on what it looks like in ten years. But uh, one trend that I see is that there is an interest. We are a small country. We we're, we're just we're just ten. Oh, I I'm bad with numbers, but let's say about 10 million people in Switzerland. Um, and that's almost like how many people that live here in the Bay Area. So, um, and we have all these different universities. So um, everyone is trying to um, make sure that the cool ideas that are developed at the different cantonal um, universities, universities of applied science um, and um, uh, federal technology of um, Federal Technology, the ETH and the EPFL Lausanne um, are, 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 you know, moving out uh, of of these ivory towers. And one tendency that I see is that these ecosystems are merging more. Like there is a willingness to work more together, and there is, you know, appreciation for that. That makes sense, and that we can learn. We can we can both learn from each other, but then also our innovators are profiting from having these ecosystems that kind of um, merge together and are more dynamic. So um, I think that's um, a, a trend that I can observe uh, and that I uh, that I welcome. Um, mm-hmm. I I think that's also something. Um, that I've seen here, that um, here um, you're always open for collaboration if you think that uh, you could build something interesting together um, Mm -hmm. with other innovators or other ecosystems. So um, I hope that this trend uh, holds.
0: We'll continue. Yeah. And last but not least, if there is a scientist listening to us right now, Having an idea and thinking, oh, maybe I could start, you know, maybe this could be me at some point. I could become a founder. I'm not sure. What would be your first tip to him
2: or her? Maybe reach out to some other uh, founder who you know, who's coming from the, also have a similar background. So you can hear like, uh, you know, a story from somebody you know that could possibly be you in the future. Um, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Baron.
1: Yeah, so I get this question a lot because <clears throat> this is what my center supports on on the Berkeley campus. We, we have a lot of people, scientists, faculty, postdocs, who say, "Look, I've got this idea, and I think I could make something out of it. What what should I do mm-hmm. first? Right?" And so, and there's no one answer. Probably the, the what I most commonly will say is, "Hey, get some of your friends from lab and take the iCORE class." You know, that's a great intro to just like the, the basics of, an entrepreneurial mindset. But many times. They're even not at that stage. Maybe they, sh- they should do the speed teaming event, or just network, or apply to SCAD- Skydex Pad Thirteen program, depending on what stage they're at. And so the the role in my office is really to tailor the advice for who who they are and uh, what what stage that they're that they're at. Mm-hmm. But probably the one that I've, I I promote the most frequently is the I Corps program.
0: Okay, great. Well, thank you very much to both of you for all this. Very interesting and inspiring insights. I hope that we will generate some uh, entrepreneurial careers from the scientific that are listening to us. And uh, I wish you uh, both a very nice rest of the day. And uh, thank you again.
1: All right. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Emilia.